Well, hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, October 17th, 2022. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, back with you again after uh, a nice week of vacation, guys. It was, it was nice to get away and get some rest. Actually, what was really good about vacation was getting to see my daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. Autumn, Autumn flew in from Salt Lake City, Utah and met us there and it was great just getting to spend some time with her. Um, she's doing really well, and we miss her. But uh, she's she's she really is. She's doing great at college, and but it was good to see her for a week. But good to be back with you guys again. I, I missed y'all. Um, so we're we're here. Um, I'm here with uh, Jeremiah, uh, Blake, and Jeff. Uh, all the, the the four pastors are here, and we're here to talk about the message that we heard yesterday. Um, I listened to it uh, as I'm traveling back from vacation. Um, I, I tuned in live and listened, and it um, uh, sounds like it was a, a, a great message. We're going to have a, plenty of time here to talk about it, so let's just jump right in. Um, so the title of the message this week, and Jeff was the one that brought this one, is The Spirit's Help in Witnessing. The Spirit's Help in Witnessing, and, and the text, uh, I believe, is John 16, 7 through 11. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just read that together. This is the NKJV version of it that I've got in front of me, so I'll just read that. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. These are words of Jesus, by the way. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Mm -hmm. Of sin, because they do not believe in me, Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, I'll just be honest with you. um, Every time I've ever run across this passage um, um, and read in my readings and things like that, I always always have to stop and think, oh, what is he talking about here? Because there there, there is a little bit of confusion, um, or the kid, you know, there's a possibility of confusion there, because it's not exactly the way we talk. Clearly, he's, 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 He's explaining the role of the Holy Spirit. When he talks about the helper, we know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about, the, this is Jesus explaining to the disciples the role of the coming Spirit. Because the Spirit's not come yet, right? This is going to happen at post-resurrection and post and after the ascension. We know that. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes. And so um, this is what the Spirit will do. He's saying, when he has come, so when the Spirit comes... He is going to convict. Now, we also know from other passages, John 17, John 15, um, all those pa- that Jesus explains other roles of the Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we could get into that as well. He's going to be the, he's going to be the, the, the reminder for people of, of what Jesus has taught. He's going to be the spirit of truth, right? And also the spirit of peace. And he's going to be the helper that comforts and all those things. But here... <laughs> Here he's speaking specifically of the Spirit's role in conviction, um, how he's going to convict. And I always found it interesting, and, and you, you brought this out in, in the three points that you had, in fact, because this sort of naturally breaks down to the three mm-hmm. points. But he, 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 he provides three areas in which the Spirit will convict. He'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then if you're like, well, what does that mean? Well, then he explains each one of those in turn. Only when he explains them, if, if, if you don't do a little bit of deep digging yourself, it's still a bit confusing. So 
Um, so I, I appreciate the fact that you're you're tackling this text. I think this is a, I, I honestly think this is a difficult text, even though it breaks down to the three points. I think it's a difficult text to preach um, because because it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of wordplay here. I think that's going on that you really need to stop and define each one of these terms and like unpack each one of these sections pretty deep because. Otherwise, it just kind of sounds like the same. He's saying the same thing over and over and over, right? So I think it's exactly what you did. But in addition to uh, speaking about what the Spirit's role is, Jeff, what you correct me if I'm wrong here. I think you're saying the the sort of the main point uh-huh, of, of this message <laughs> is that um, um, the Holy Spirit does the conviction. But we have a role in witnessing as well, and our role is not to convict. That's clearly the Spirit's role, but our role is to convince, uh, I think is the word, word you used, or like sort of a similar word there. Um, well, that we're not, <clears throat> when we do our witnessing all, we're not, we're not doing it in and of ourselves all alone. Mm. So in other words, if I know I've got, uh, I've got the Holy Spirit with me, and he's doing his role. In fact, he's already pre done pre evangelism in people's hearts, so they'd be ready to perhaps hear the message. Right. Then, then that then that frees me up then to realize that it's not really up to that. The results and everything aren't going to fall back on me that I didn't convince someone, or I didn't persuade someone, or I didn't do it the right way, or or get upset with the person, or all these things that typically we would do if we think. Like if I was a salesman and I was trying to sell a person something uh-huh. and they wouldn't buy my product and then I'm not going to get my paycheck and all this other stuff, then the boss is going to get on to me. And so then I'll just got to go out and try to convince people and then maybe sell them stuff they didn't really want or need. Right. So if we look, approach witnessing that way, then we're approaching it the wrong way. We don't really try, try it like we should because it, 90% of the time, I would say, uh, when you witness you're not going to get a, a favorable response such, such that someone's like, okay, yeah, this is great. I, I'm interested and I want to accept Christ tomorrow. Like maybe 99% of the time you're not going to get mm-hmm. that. It's those brief moments in time that we actually get it when someone's ready. And so um, if we look at it based on results, then we're never going to witness. Right. But if we realize that the Holy Spirit's doing His work, then all we have to do is be faithful and then... Leave the results up to him. Yeah, and when 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 we do see the great results, then we we don't take credit for it. We right. go, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit's moving in people's hearts. That's great. This is awesome. Yeah, I, I like I like how you're the, the <clears throat> comparison there to like a salesman because I think so often people uh, people have a tendency, and I, I you know you've heard me say this on on the podcast before and elsewhere, but I think somewhere along the way the church got tied up in business. Business ease, right? For lack of a better term, sort of business language gets applied to church life, and that includes discipleship. And so, so what becomes what's supposed to be discipling someone, sharing truth with someone, um, in in hopes to to um, for them to have a uh, have an opportunity to favorably respond to Jesus Christ, actually becomes a cheap sales pitch. For eternal life, and 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 it becomes a, a a sell, and it's not a it's not a hard sell. Obviously, this is, we're talking about eternal life, but at the same time, it should be a hard sell. We should expect it to be a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said himself, "Look, 
the number of people who are going to buy this are going to be fewer than the people who are going to sell it. I mean, you know, that there's going to be that there uh, the, the the path is narrow and few choose it. So we should expect that. And and so does I mean going into it like that does that change the way we maybe evangelize? Does that way change the way that we go about making disciples? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what you're what you're asking people to do is to die, and I don't. I think we we kind of make it minimal when we do like easy believism or do yeah. the easy sell or do the VBS thing. Like, all right, who wants to go to heaven with Jesus? Right, right. right. Everyone and their dog is going to say yes to that right. until you realize. All right, well, you know all your aspirations and your goals and and everything that you've kind of lived for up to this point, that all kind of needs to go away. Like, <laughs> like we're going to hit the reset and you're going to die to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're going to practice dying to yourself and being crucified with Christ. And like all these terms that Jesus used, Paul used, it's like, right. oh, this is a little bit harder of a sell than just telling people, hey, let's go live forever with Jesus. Right. Um, it's, I mean, John it's, 3... It's one of the reasons why I'm... And, and you, I'm not a huge fan of street evangelism, door-to-door evangelism, only because of, I think, that if you're if you're selling people like that, then you're selling it cheap. I think I think you're, sell, you're selling it way cheap. I'm not saying that there's not been people throughout the ages who've favorably responded to that kind of thing, but I, 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 these ideas of one and done conversations are not the model that you see Jesus doing. Well, well, and you see, um, you like I was in Sam's Club the other day trying to buy something, and they always a watch have, for Jeff, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, they were. Uh, I mean, you always have like a phone, like a like a phone provider guy trying to sell you something right when you walk in the oh, door. Yeah, yeah right, and. Right. I'll be honest, like the street evangelism tactics, the door-to-door tactics, there's really no different than the guy trying to sell you some Spectrum or some AT&T service in Sam's Club. Yeah. And that's yep. a problem. It is a problem. Because it, I'll it be straight up honest. I saw the guy, and I wanted to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Because yeah. I did not. Because you know what? That guy doesn't care about your life. That guy no. that guy is going to pretend to care about you in that moment. But then what he, all he really cares about is making his sale. That's it. And you know the motive, too. It's to sell and, you know, it's like when you try to respectfully say, hey, look, no, I've got another one I'm taking care of. And then they get into all these details. And it's just a whole annoying process because you know what the whole motive is. Yeah. I saw um, some movie years ago. It's not a great movie. (laughs) But I saw a movie years ago that... um, I think you've seen it too. The oh, big, yeah. the big it's one Kahuna. of my favorite movies. The, the Big, big Kahuna. Kahuna. And, and in that, there's this young young salesman, and there, there's these three salesmen, and they're all on a sales retreat, like a sales conference. And it's, it's this whole thing where this young salesman is trying to leverage his position to have an opportunity to witness for Jesus Christ to... Um, one of the the man the 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 the, the lead the, the boss or something right? if I remember right it's been a while since I've seen the movie yet. well no, it was there there's sales conference uh, and this guy owns a company and they're all trying to figure out a way that we could talk to the guy yeah and the young salesman got a chance to do that but he didn't talk about their company or their product he talked about something else he talked about and, Jesus yes right. and those guys were like. Gave him a hard time about it. It's one of my favorite movies, but uh, I think it was a young Jim Caviezel that was the 
yeah. salesman who actually got crucified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a good point. That's yeah, good he, point. he played Jesus. And but I, you know, when I watch that film, I, I wonder because there's a whole there's a whole conversation on whether it's ethical for him to be doing what he does. Right? Are you supposed to use this company time in order to leverage to have to have this conversation right. with this guy? That's actually going to hurt the company. You're actually there to represent the company, and because what he's going to do is going to hurt the company. Is it ethical and all these things, and which one is the more right thing to do? Well, the problem I always have with it is, is, is it's again, it's, it's a, it feels like a cheap sell. I just, it feels like he's using sales salesman tactics to sell salvation. And I, I right, and I, and I watched it from a different point of view because I used to be the other guys in the room. Uh huh. And. Uh, and and so uh, I saw the guy was being genuine, and that he was genuinely trying to uh, have a have a relationship with the guy to share Christ. Oh, okay. The other guys were the ones saying, "You're just selling that, like we're selling our product." Right. So they were the ones making the comment that way. Yeah. Of course, we came in from two different angles because I came from a lost person that was in the business world. That were the other guys in the room. That was the the Danny DeVito uh, character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, so I looked at it more from a different perspective. That that guy reminded me of the guy I hired that was really a genuine Christian. Mm-hmm. That that made me, you know, come to come right. To I mean, you you actually came to Christ. But from, yeah. I mean, part of your story is is that somebody in yeah. the business said, was genuine. Right, was yeah. genuine. But the, again, they showed. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that what turns you off, yes, with 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 the guy at Costco or Sam's Club or whatever, right? What turns you off from that is that that guy doesn't care about Blake. Right. He cares about the set. Right. And if you were doing that, if he wasn't generally concerned about the guy, just trying to like get another evangelical notch on my belt, then yeah, you're doing it the wrong way. Right. And so that's kind of what I was thinking about with these disciples. If you think about it, Jesus comes back to life. He appears to them. Then he says, y'all just go and wait for 50 days. Mm-hmm. Now, if, 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 um, Someone that recently died in our church mm-hmm. comes walking in this door right here today mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, I'm alive now." Like, wait a minute, we had your funeral, we buried you. You're you're walking this door. <laughs> I'm not going to wait fifty days. No, no. I'm going to go. Like, we're going to go. I'm taking you to your your home. I'm going to show your family you're alive. I'm going to tell everybody I know Post this it dude. On Facebook, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right. So I'm they have the greatest. News. Yeah. <laughs> so they have the greatest message in the world. Right. And so. They can't really share it properly mm-hmm. because they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. And I think that's the lesson here. Mm-hmm. And that we, in our mind, we think that... That's a really important Yeah, point. we think that it's up to me to go do this. And if the preacher preaches on this, now I'm on a guilt trip. Now I'm going to go get my list of eight people. And I'm going to go talk to them. And I'm going to feel bad about it. And then I'm going to be all nervous. And I'm thinking, I've got to do this. And if I don't, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, "Okay, in my life, then I've got the Holy Spirit. All I got to do is be a faithful witness, and I know that He's going to help me in these three areas. I don't really have to convince people of sin. All I have to do is tell them that Jesus died for their sins, mm-hmm. and whatever sin it may be, whether it's big or little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let Him do that work. Uh, righteousness. How? How? I mean, really, that's a big question. If I'm standing before God, how can I be right before God? Mm-hmm. That's a question people think about. And then the judgment, like. Is there going to be a judgment day, and how do I get out of, you know, the punishment right. and all? So those three areas are the three things that are on people's minds. You're like, mm-hmm. am I good enough? No. Uh, 
can I can I can, do I have uh, enough? My good works outweigh my bad. Can I do enough good things? My righteousness mm-hmm. is it gonna no? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if I'm standing before God, I'm just saying, okay, God, uh, I don't know what to say to you, but please, I'm just throwing myself on the mercy of the court. Let me into heaven kind of thing. Right. Is right. that going to work? No. Right. Not when, not when you're at that moment of crisis time. So with the time we do it is now when we have the opportunity, but it's not on our shoulders to have to convince people and convict them. We do need to be persuasive and use every technique we can, our methods and all, as far as helping people understand and know who Jesus is. If you put Jesus as the focus, then uh, he'll take care, the Holy Spirit will take care of the sin thing, he'll take care of the righteousness, and he'll take care of the judgment. Uh, But we still have to present the stuff to people so they can understand. Jeremy, I want to come back to you. Um, Because on this idea, and let's start looking at some of these points individually, the, the, the things that Jeff just outlined again. So, you know, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he says of sin that they they have not believed in me, right? And so part of, we know that part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict people of sin. Is it, when, when it comes to my role in helping that out, like, how do I... How do I tell people they're sinning, right, or that that there is sin in their life? Do I need to tell people that there's sin in their life in order for the Holy Spirit to convict them of it? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I think I think one of the issues that so many people have with Christians is they we they they view us as judgy, right? Because we're saying, "Oh, you're sinners," you know, "Oh, you're sinning," um, and so they. They, they rightfully they look at everybody and go, well, everybody's sinning. Everybody does wrong. Who are you to call? Who are you to say that I'm doing anything wrong? When you're doing wrong stuff too, right? And so, how how do we go? What what do we do? How do I talk to someone about sin um, with without coming across as judgy? And but but obviously I have to talk about it. Otherwise. How's the Holy Spirit do with the convicting, right? I mean, like, I don't, there, there, there's yeah. got to be a, a relationship there somewhere. Yeah, and this one's, on the one hand, it's pretty tough. On the other hand, it's not, because if I'm reading the scriptures right, we kind of have a home court advantage here. Mm. If it's the Spirit's job to convict them of sin, then we can assume that's already happened, mm. even before we've said anything. Now, Jeff made a, a, a strong point. We still need to tell them mm. so that the Spirit can do His work. Um, but we can also assume that they probably already know. Um, and I think, uh, I was going to talk about Pinocchio, but uh, like conscience. and mm-hmm. Like people know in their conscience they do wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the Spirit's work. That's the Spirit's role. Part of drawing is to, to let people recognize their need. Um, so it's our job to just kind of be gentle and and make sure they know, look, we're on the same page. Like, mm-hmm. I I struggle with sin as well, and that's the reason I know I need a Savior in Jesus. Right. right? Um, and unfortunately, I know we're talking about, about like street evangelists a lot. Uh, not that it, there's, a, there's a right way to do it, um, but it's tough to find that right way. But unfortunately, when you see like street evangelists or the guy with the megaphone, it's it's 
super focused on convincing people they're sinners Mm -hmm. and not very focused or not at all focused on the the rescue from their sin Mm -hmm. and so you just look like a jerk yeah that's what you're I was going to bring and you're assuming up. back to bringing it back to the points. Uh, you're assuming the spirit's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. The spirit's not mm-hmm. doing his his job. I say his their their job. Right. The, the spirit's not doing their job in, in convicting uh, of sin. Uh, so you're just kind of assuming it's all on you to 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 convince people that they're sinners. When I think. They already know they're sinners. You want to kind of make sure they know. Look, I'm a sinner too. Right. But I, I kind of know the the here's the the reverse the curse or the the cure for your sin. Here's here's how you get rescued from your sin. Yeah. And so we we were supposed to tell the good news, not the bad news. Right. The bad news is part of it. You need to make sure they kind of understand the bad news, uh, but make sure and, and quickly get to like here's the good news. Here's Here's the cure. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, I was going to bring it up. But you, you said it already. That it's something that I've heard you say on this podcast before. If all you ever do is tell is tell people that they're sinners and you don't go any further than that, then you're just a jerk. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, you got scripture to back you up right here because what is it, Blake, that the Holy Spirit's supposed to do? You know, when when we look at at the uh, the Jesus's explanation is the world sin that he's going to convict them in is that it refuses to believe in me. Yeah. And so so it seems to me that that what what the what the Holy Spirit is supposed to convict people of is not is I mean certainly like it convicts us of the wrongs we do. But really what the Holy Spirit is convicting us of is the fact that we've not believed in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so then it makes sense what Jeremiah is saying, right? That we should go and tell people about Jesus, and in so doing, the Spirit then can do the conviction of the, right. Absolutely, of the, of the, I mean, we're the ones we're the ones that can point you to the cure. And if we're not doing that, then we're not evangelists. Mm. I mean, it's just as simple as that. If we don't tell people about the cure that that has come in a person of Jesus to rescue us from our sin, and that He has lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose again, and that there is a chance for you to have forgiveness and repentance of sins, then. You're just not an evangelist. I mean, you're a, I mean, like Jeremiah said, you're just a jerk. And um, I did want to go back to one thing that uh, you were saying when you're talking about um, how you approach, like, talking about sin. I like what you said, like, the including yourself into it. Yeah. And I found that to be helpful when I'm doing, uh, like, personal evangelism with some people. It's like, you know, I try to always preface, like, hey, look, I'm not just calling you out. I'm calling everybody out right here mm-hmm. because even including myself, I'm a mm-hmm. sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. Nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. We've all made mistakes. And so that's kind of separated us from God. Right. And there's a problem there. So I always try to address the problem first in kind, loving way, but then point towards the solution with with Jesus. So right. I always so I've always found it to be helpful that if you mention yourself and how, you know, you mess up, you're not perfect. I think that breaks the ice, if you will, mm-hmm. in a lot of scenarios, because then they can say, oh, okay, this guy's just trying to have a conversation with me, or this girl's just trying to have a conversation right, with me. So right. I find that to be really helpful. Right, right. and the point, too, is that um, if you start talking to people just about sin, then all of a sudden you start getting into degrees of sin, and you know, oh, one yeah. sin's worse than the other sin, and you, then you get so off track. And then if some people think that, you know, well, my lifestyle's not a sin. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you to say it is? 
And so if you're focused on that, then then you're miss, missing the mark because the bottom line here, he says, the, the ultimate sin really for everyone mm-hmm. is that you have this opportunity to have your sins forgiven and covered, but you refuse to believe. And so regardless then of how I may fit on the track of sin, all of us should be able to agree with that all of us are sinners. We all mess up mm-hmm. regardless of the degree. Right. And mm-hmm. um, the only way that I can have my sin taken care of is if I acknowledge I'm a sinner, that's one of the big things we have when we talk with children. If they don't understand they're a sinner, they, they can't really let, then ask for that forgiveness. So mm-hmm. so then, if, so now if I have this opportunity to have my sins forgiven, whether I just committed one sin in my entire life or a bunch of fibs, whatever, or big major sins, why wouldn't I go for that chance to have my sins forgiven yeah. by this guy named Jesus who took the penalty of our sin on the cross? That's all he's asking you to do is to believe with him with all your hearts. So. Should, fellas, let me just ask this. Should Christians engage in calling out the world's sins? Um, or is that something that we should be just doing with one another, holding one another accountable? Mm. Um, is that, is, and, and in so doing, uh, in holding one another accountable, holding out an example for the world? Because I think, I think one of the things I see so often is exactly what you're talking about, Jeff. And we see... We see the world engaging in sinful activities, sinful lifestyles, but of course they're going to because they're they're not believers. They're um, so we, we expect that we expect different. We should expect different from believers, and and we should. The I think the Bible is pretty clear there. We, generally, we should call one another out um, and hold one another accountable. But should we be engaged in publicly calling out the sin that we see in the world? So I'm gonna. I'm going to say yes, but the reason is, is because what we believe about God's rules Mm -hmm. is that it's for our good, Mm -hmm. meaning that we shouldn't be calling out sin just because we think we're better than other people or we think that, uh, or we think that, that that can somehow save them if they just erase their sin on their own. But we should. I think we should proclaim that. Look, this is this is what God wants for you, and God wants your ultimate good, mm-hmm. right? And so, do it from a from a perspective of like, hey, I love you. I want to see you succeed. And God tells us like, hey, this is what's best for us, and I think He knows best. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to do that without sounding gloom, doom, judgy. And just staying focused there. Yeah. Um, because if you, again, if you just tell them you're a sinner and you don't kind of explain like, hey, this is for your good. God doesn't want you to, I don't have a better example, but God doesn't want you to sleep with that person because he knows it's it's ultimately going to be for your harm. Right. Right. Like there, he has, he has a situation. He's, he has given you these desires and he says, hey, you should use those desires for this. That's what my intended purpose is. That's for your good. Mm-hmm. Don't go that direction. And so, but again, if you just publicly proclaim like, hey, homosexuality is a sin. And like, that'd be your whole thing. That's like what we're about. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of Facebook posts. I'm thinking in terms of, of yeah. tweets yeah. and things yeah. of that nature where people are just condemning the lifestyles of other people 
or just saying this God sees this as sin yeah. and just that's it simpliciter yeah. mm-hmm. should should we be engaged in that sort of thing is it our job um, to make the world uh, aware of what's sin and what is not sin or is that more something that we should be doing either in private or uh, you know in conversations that are more private or is it something that really is is from believer to believer, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at. Because yeah. I think I think I, I, I think what you're talking about is is certainly the case. You you, if somebody asks me, right, hey, is this sinful? Is it sinful that I'm sleeping with my? You know, let's say an unbeliever says, hey, what does your you know what does your Bible say about about me sleeping? You know, sleeping with my you know sleeping with my mistress. And I'm like, well. Um, if you really want to know what, what I think God says about it, I'll tell you. Um, and, 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 you know, and then from that, go ahead and explain, you know, exactly what you just said. These are, these aren't things God's trying to take anything away from you. We have, I believe that God wants what's best for us and what's best for us is, is for us to trust him, obey him. And he's put these things in place for a reason. But now I'm speaking more along the lines of people who just blast other people's lifestyles, um, from a from a pulpit that is the that's Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when I use that uh, illustration where Jesus, um, you know, the woman was brought to him, mm-hmm. and they did it on purpose, and they wanted to see his reaction because, really, they were already. I mean, they had stones in their hands. They're ready to, to throw rocks at her. Right. And so, like, okay, what are you going to do about this? And you know, he writes down on the ground. We don't know what he wrote, but I, 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 I believe that he probably was just writing sins, particular sins, or maybe in the sins of each person that was standing there, or the last sin that they all committed. Who knows? But they all were convicted in their conscience of it. They all dropped their rocks, and they all walked away. And um, and so the woman that was caught in sin, he, he goes, where's your accusers? And we're like, I don't know. And he said, well, you know they laughed and it's like go and sin no more mm-hmm. and so that really is our job is is you know I'm not the Holy Spirit I can't if I started writing on this table just random sins even if y'all committed them they're probably not going to be any consciousness of it, or you're going to be like, what is he doing? You know, mm-hmm. unless the Holy Spirit's at work there in, in yeah. And so 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 the thing is, we have to get people <clears throat> to see that. Yes, the world is broken, and it's broken because of sin. We all miss the mark, <clears throat> mm-hmm. including this guy sitting right here. Right. And what I might have thought was a sin or what wasn't a sin really doesn't matter. What matters is this person named Jesus is willing to cover all those sins, every sin, every ever committed. And um, so my job, and even be honest with people, my job is really not to convince you or convict you of your sin. My job is to to help you see that, that Christ provides a, another way and a better way. And that's a relationship through him. And um, and so the world already knows. I mean, if you watch the news, the world basically uh, recites all the sins of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a murder. Uh, There's a robbery. Uh, There's embezzlement. You know, some, some Hollywood star... Uh, you know, got into some kind of Me Too moment. Mm-hmm. So, the, so, so that shows you then that, that the world understands and knows there's there's bad things that happen that we're, we're not perfect. 
and, and it happens. So we really don't have to be the news to people and say, hey, I'm here this, this morning to talk to you about your particular sin. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the broadcast news. Right. You know, that's not what we should be doing. Our job is to point to Jesus. Yeah. And then when yeah. Jesus, because what happened to me when I was convicted that the lifestyle I was living was sinful, I already knew it was. Mm-hmm. I knew it was. Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't know how to get out of it in a way that, that made sense. Mm-hmm. Because And then once I saw somebody's life that was different, I was like, you know, he's living a different life. He's not got all these problems I got uh, because of the way I'm choosing to live my life right now. If if I had that, man, I would be so free from all this stuff. Yeah. So that's 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 the whole point is is we're trying to <clears throat> show people uh, that Jesus offers the only hope. He's he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And yeah. so um, so our job is to tell people Holy Spirit is going to come, and that's why I didn't say the world. I I, I said people. Right. Because I always kind of thought about. When I would hear preachers preach on this passage about the world, that mm-hmm. somehow or another it was kind of like the force. Like yeah. This force is out there. Right. And it's convicting the whole world of sin and all this stuff. Instead of saying, you know, really it's people to people. Right, right. And so I got convicted of my sins mm-hmm. and and I turned to Christ. And that's what he wants you to do. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like, I, I kind of like what all you guys are kind of hinting at, which is that as Christians, it's not that we don't, we don't, um, acknowledge sin, we do, but we make um, we make instead of making more of sin, we make more of Jesus. Yes. And I think uh, and and, and, and um, I heard somebody else say that recently, and it, it rang it rang with me, and I you know it it it, it sort of resonated with me rather, and um, and I keep think coming back to that. Our job is not to make much of sin; our job is to make much of Jesus. And so, and I think really that's the whole point that you were making yesterday. Including this idea of righteousness, we can't, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us of righteous of our need for righteousness, we've kind of talked about this already to some degree. Well, I, I, I do want to talk, I do want to talk about Jesus' words here because, as I said, he explains each one of these. But yeah. his explanation for righteousness, Jeremiah, is righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. That seems kind of weird. Um, um, it, and I think I, I even said that when I was yeah, preaching. Yeah, this like, is yeah. Like, what, is, what, is that, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? Yeah. Um, and to be honest, and we know that it's 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 connected, and Jeff pointed this out, it's connected to the idea of Jesus' righteousness being imputed unto us, right? Yeah. That's a word we, theological word we use in, in among Christian theologians is imputed righteousness. Um, and But even that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you really try to start explaining to someone... Yeah. How is it that somebody else's righteousness can be given to me? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. How do we make sense of all this, man? How do we how do we explain this? I mean, clearly the Spirit's role is to convict them of their need of righteousness. How is righteousness given to them through through Jesus? I, I you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so as a theologian, you read verse seven and you get pretty excited. Uh well, that's sorry, verse 8. You get pretty excited because you see uh, some very big like buzzwords for theologians. You see mm-hmm. sin, you see righteousness, and you see judgment. Mm-hmm. And then you think like, all right, let's talk about righteousness. <laughs> and, and the problem for this passage for me, like for real, 
is, all right, I got a pretty good biblical theological idea of what those three things are. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus comes with like his explanation, explanation of those three things. And rather than like clearing the fog in my mind, (laughs) he adds more. Yeah. Right. What is going on? And I remember thinking this exact thing. I, uh, I was putting together Jeff's outline in the computer. So be on the screen for us. And I was like, Oh man, this is like, Foggy. Yeah. But then I... I not just, Jeff's point. No, no. Jesus' yeah, yeah, Jesus', words, Jesus right? yeah. own, like, explanation yeah, of the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the structure of the sermon makes complete sense. I mean, it's like, oh, duh. This is easy. Mm-hmm. But then, like, trying to muddy, unmuddy the waters. But uh, I think Jeff made it pretty clear. I think they're all tied to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the second one, how do we obtain righteousness... Well, it's through the imputed righteousness of Christ. Well, how do you obtain the imputed righteousness of Christ? Well, righteousness can only be obtained through faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he says, because I'm going away, you're going to need faith. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you're not going to be able to see me. So so then what, what shows up now for the life of the believer and for the spirit spirit convicts of sin it must be about faith Mm -hmm. and on sin i think it's the same thing now judgment might be a little harder uh um because the rule of this world has been judged and i i loved all the like like uh texts that you brought to to kind of unmuddy those waters for 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 that one but i think especially when it comes to righteousness Every time you see that in the Bible, every time, you've got to think, well, how do we obtain righteousness? And that the Bible is so clear, even from the Old Testament, that the righteousness should be obtained through, through faith. faith. Yeah. Righteousness well, comes... like Abraham. Or the just... Well, that's, why, right, yeah. that's what Paul, Paul used yeah. the example of Abraham. And or says, the just... You might see the just... Yeah, yeah. the just... Yeah. Will live through or will live by faith, which well, is the yeah, justice and righteousness is yeah. kind of like a similar term that they use. And right. that um, that text you used from Romans, yeah, Romans three and the NLT twenty one through twenty six. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Because it because I said righteousness is right standing. Like how do I yeah. rightly stand before God? If you break righteousness down to that, it sh- it tells you. Yeah, with that passage and that that particular. Um, well, here it uh, is. Translation, yeah. It, here it, it lays it out. It's so here it is good. in the NLT yeah. again. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, which is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. imputed righteousness, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So Paul is saying, look, this isn't something that's new. This is something that's been made, made uh, abundantly clear in the Old Testament. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. There it is, plain mm-hmm. as day, right? Mm-hmm. And this is true for everyone mm-hmm. who believes, no matter who we are. Paul's saying it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Right. You come to God and are made right by the same thing, and it's faith in Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice 
shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. So here, here in, in fact, Jeremiah is the answer for people who say, well, what about those people? Who, how, how do they come to, how do they come to, uh, to yeah. uh, salvation, mm-hmm. uh, the people from the Old Testament? And Paul's clearly laying out a theological that argument all here of that, yeah. that, that's covering all that too because he's saying it's it too, the only way you're made right is, like you said, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what they were doing too. Um, they were having faith in him, uh, in, in, in the Messiah. For he was looking ahead and including them, he included them, in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's a Baptist challenge. Get an amen on the back row. You preach that every week. uh, Yeah, it's such a powerful passage because it covers exactly what we're talking about. So many people have trouble with this idea of imputed righteousness, and, and, and... and I, I get it. I, I had I had a friend of mine in college. I've mentioned him before, who said, "I don't understand how uh, I don't want to have to rely on what someone else did on my behalf. I don't want to do that. I feel like I should be able to do it myself." And really, that's what the Jewish people were saying for centuries. All I need to do is keep the law, and I can do this myself. I, I, that's all I need. And 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 what Paul is saying in in this passage is it no you can't because everybody sins everybody falls short of the glory of God you cannot do it not even the Old Testament saints could do it not Moses or the prophets could do it it was all about faith that they had in Jesus and it all goes back to you're right righteousness is obtained through faith in what God is doing and or what God was going to do and did in Jesus Christ. and that wasn't just a New Testament concept I no. mean these uh, these uh, Habakkuk two four is mentioned three times in the New Testament. Yeah, how the just will live by faith. Yeah, well, and like everything they did, the Passover, all those things were just foreshadowing, showing you have to have covering, you have to have blood, you have to have all this stuff. There's got to be a sacrifice. Uh, yeah, you know, it all foreshadows and shows. Yep, absolutely. Because they were basically the they were they were relying on the blood of a bull or a goat or a, or a sheep to cover them for another year. Right. So that's that's not it's not going to because they would have to do it every every time they sin they have to bring another sacrifice. So again, if it's the spirit's job to or spirit's role, we'll call it the, to convict the unbeliever of their need for righteousness, then our role in doing that is to just witness to the righteousness of Christ. I mean, that seems to be the way in which we do it. We we recognize that um, we help them. We we. Um, Share the the truth content of the gospel, and 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 yes, that does include saying that we're not righteous in ourselves, but that's not anything that we don't really already know. Yeah. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis has in his famous book *Mere Christianity* talks about that his the, the the first the first words that are written in that book or the title of the first chapter is right and wrong as clues to the meaning of the universe. His whole point in that is that every single person understands these concepts of right and wrong. They're universal concepts. And I believe, this is me talking about it, I, I believe and C.S. Lewis believes that that is the role of the Holy Spirit. That's what yes. the Holy Spirit is doing. God is making himself abundantly evident through the fact that we know what right and wrong is. And no, we know at the end of the day that we are not righteous and we need something to make us righteous. Now, what most people in all these other religions and faiths and stuff do is they point back to themselves. Well, if I do enough good works that can be credited to my account, 
Mm-hmm. But even then, you should think to yourself, well, that's not enough because I do far more wrong stuff than I, I could never outweigh. Like, even if, uh, you know, we know that the Bible says our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But even if I could do, Jeremiah, an, like, uh, righteousness that counted to my credit, my wrongs far outweigh. I can never do enough right stuff to ever outweigh my wrongs. I don't know who I don't know who lives a life in this life that thinks that that could ever be the case that you're that that you do enough right well, things to outweigh the wrong personal relationships that doesn't even work that way. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I, like my my wrongs far outweigh my rights yeah. always, and and you know and my wrongs are so egregious most of the time. It's not even close. I mean, not even remotely close, like scale wise. The only way we make it close, you know how you know what we do. We we, we, wait, we compare. We, we weight sins. Yes. Like, hey, this sin's not that bad. So if I if I go give someone money, like I just wiped out like twelve of those, you know, booty sins. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then if I murder someone, it's like I gotta do like <laughs> I gotta do massive penance for <laughs> massive that, right? Penance. Yeah. And so um But it's not even close. It's yeah. it's not. And of course it's not close because if, we know that our righteous there's never anything we do that's held righteous to our credit. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's sight. Even even the best thing I can offer to God is not good enough to uh, is is not even considered righteous, Jeremiah. Yeah, and and we have a trouble. And let's just be real, we have real trouble acknowledging that. Yeah, that 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 and, and getting people to acknowledge that 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 and that's that's part of the that's part of the offense of the gospel, is it not? Yeah. To, to to tell people that okay. Yeah, what you did for your, you know, what you did for your neighbor by giving them groceries when they when they didn't have any, and you sacrificed your kids' Christmas toys to buy them groceries. Um, that was a good thing, but yeah, it's not gonna count. <laughs> it's not, that doesn't count when it comes to well, God. Well, even the world knows that because <laughs> you know the, the culture we live in today. You see all these, uh, particularly these universities and all, uh, all renaming buildings and all because. These people that, that donated all this money and this land mm-hmm, and all this mm-hmm. stuff, they had these names and they felt like I can do this great work and now my name's there. You know, their names are getting taken off buildings and stuff. Right. Because the, the world really doesn't, uh, you know, want us to have right standing. Yeah. It wants to be punishing of sins. It wants it wants all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, in a way. And so... Um, uh, so 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 even at that, if you think you've done all these great things, somebody behind you is going to say, "Well, no, that's that wasn't that wasn't enough." Yeah, uh, and, and we're not gonna we're not gonna forgive you, and you don't have right standing. In fact, we're gonna wipe you out and punish you, and we would do it for eternity if we could, you know. And that's kind of our mindset. Isn't it funny in some ways that <laughs> like because of the world we live in now. And the world that, like, say, Blake's generation is growing up into, and then our, and you know, Blake's kids, and, and even my, well, our kids will, and our grandkids will inherit, is going to be a world in which more records of wrongs, like, and, and wrongs, no forgiveness now. wrongs, wrongs that we didn't even realize were wrongs at the time when we were doing them, no forgiveness are 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 out there, like it. You know, we've always talked about the fact that God had God has a record of every wrong and all this because God, there's nothing we could do that God doesn't know. But then it's always been the case that okay, well, yeah, but nobody really has a record of all the wrongs we've ever done, 
And now we're getting more and more close. We're getting closer and closer to that. And the reality is, is that people don't, people realize that. Like, oh my goodness, I have to watch exactly what I say. I got to watch everything I tweet. I got to watch everything I post because that stuff could come back and haunt me and cost me a job, cost me notoriety, cost me money, and, and, you know, and all these things later on. It's funny because in some ways that record of wrongs um, is becoming more and more evident as we get more technologically advanced play. We're getting like, we're getting closer and closer yeah, to my, what to what you know to what we've always understood God and God, and it does it, it's not it's not don't get me wrong it's not a record like God has on us because God knows our thoughts and such. But it is interesting. I mean, like the least little thing I do that I tweeted when I was 17, 18 years old and was stupid can actually be dug up now and used against me. Well, I mean, you see that everywhere right now. It, <laughs> yeah. It's political candidates running or pastors right now. I mean, there's a wide spectrum of how that's being used. Yeah, right now. yeah. And in a sense, like it's good that I guess Gen Z loves justice. Uh-huh. But you've got to have some mer- somewhere. The message of mercy with the gospel is very important wonder, with that. And I almost wonder if the God will use that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. To make r- revival with well, mercy. You know, I, what, what, I, I what, what a great I'm not saying it will. But. What a great opportunity for Christians, right? Yes. Because suddenly we have, a, we have a way to speak to a, to a need that they've got to start recognizing. Because you're right. There's no there, Jeff. There's no mercy. Yeah. I hope there's the no, need there, will be apparent now. There's no forgiveness right. often, and people are like, "Well, there needs to be forgiveness. There needs to be mercy. There needs to be grace." And here we are as Christians, like, "Yes, and we can, <laughs> like finally, <laughs> finally, you get it." And so we have an oppor- We really have an opportunity to, um, to to. This is a great opportunity. I, I really like what you're pointing out there, especially with Gen Z, to to. Uh, um, uh, preach, uh, proclaim grace and mercy, and the need for grace and mercy. And well, forgiveness. and I think that's why doing like good contextualization, knowing like the um, psychographics of mm-hmm. a generation of or of the people that you're witnessing to, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the gospel is the only religion, the gospel is the only you know the only belief that can transcend anything, yeah, any belief. That's right. Um, you take something like Islam, Judaism, anything, it can't can't function in certain in certain ideas. The gospel can be proclaimed in any kind of situation and this gospel covers so many areas that there's a message to be preached for every generation. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, and hopefully hopefully with my generation, Gen Z, the pastors in my generation will see that need, do some good contextualization, preach that way, mm-hmm. and I think you can see a lot of a lot of good kingdom gains come in the next fifteen twenty years if that happens. Yeah, you're right. It's my prayer that it will. Because I think I think your generation absolutely is a justice hungry generation. But as they as they sate themselves on justice, hopefully they 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 realize their hunger for their real hunger is for mercy and grace. Right, and there's a there's a good thing about love and justice. I mean, even Scripture tells us to seek justice, mm-hmm. but the next part also says to love mercy. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes with your God. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you know. the just thing is to be doing the forgiving thing. Oh no, no, no I, I absolutely true, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. Um, and we, you know we have we have the prime example in Jesus for all of this. And, and again, this goes back to what you were saying before about 
about righteousness. You know, we we're we're not the ones to to be. You know, I, even even the even the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness I can offer you is is nothing in comparison to the grace and mercy and forgiveness that Christ will offer you. Right. right. And so. Moving on to, we've talked, we're starting to talk about this already, but let's talk a little bit in these last few minutes anyway about about the third thing that the Spirit does and it convicts us of judgment. And he says judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And again, Jeremiah, these waters get a little muddy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think you're right. Jeff talked uh, quite a bit about this from, from some other passages that... that um, that he brought up and, and that, you know, um, that there is a day of judgment coming, right? Um, if the ruler of this world has been judged and so everybody that's under that ruler, uh, you know, if, 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 if we, if a king is, is judged, right? If a king is judged, uh, over a kingdom, then, then his entire kingdom is under that same judgment, Right. Um, so you can't just judge a king with one standard of judgment and not judge those under his kingdom with another standard. And so if the ruler of this world has been judged, then that means the entire world or all the people are appointed for judgment as well. And that's exactly what we read in Acts 17.31. He has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he's appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Um and uh, ruler of this world, we all agree that that's Satan, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yes. I think so. Although I would, I would put under that. I, I think that oh, you can, many things under. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you could, because um, I, I hesitate to just say, well, okay, all he, all he's talking about are is the demonic ruler, right? Because I think any ruler in this world then has been judged, right? Yeah. Um, if if the prince, uh, you know, if you want to call it the prince, if, yeah. if, if Satan is the prince of this world or whatever, then that means that everybody that's under him, all dominion, which you know, everything else has also been judged. Yeah. And so, um, I think you could you could legit say the rulers of this world, right, and still be legit in saying that. So my favorite thing about this sermon, Jeff, is. When you used your cross-references from Scripture, you quoted some very hot verses, but you quoted the context around them. Mm-hmm. We just read one. We just read Romans 3.23. You might have missed it because we also read Romans 3.21 through 27 right, or right, whatever. Right. And here you quoted John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you, you actually didn't even quote John 3.16. You went straight yeah, I went, to... I went six. I yeah, he did 16 Okay, well. you did. Okay, he cool, did 16 cool, cool. and then the explanation. And you go to 19. And I 16, remember... 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, and I remember uh, growing up in VBS, you used to get a medal if you quoted the verse of the, the week, right? Mm-hmm. And I was super bummed when John 3.17 showed up. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, dude, oh, yeah. I already That's know 3.16. Awesome. I don't want to learn 3.17. 17 is the one. But you read 3.17 and 3.18, mm-hmm. and you realize real quick, because it, it answers the question that our culture always has, like, why are you condemning me? Mm-hmm. And it answers the question of, no, dude, Jesus came because you were condemned already. Yeah. This world yeah. was condemned. Right. The yeah. prince of the world was condemned. Yeah, was right. It was all going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know how else to say it. But no, it was, no, it yeah, was yeah. all chaos and disordered, and we were all condemned already. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of Jeremiah's paraphrase of what's going on in 317 and 18. Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't come bringing condemnation. He came because we were condemned. Mm-hmm. And he was going to reverse the, the condemnation brought to us because of our sin, because of the, the world and death and because of Satan and all those things. He's here to reverse that thing. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I, I, I remember just getting like giddy <laughs> when you read the, the Romans 3 and then, like, you came with John 3, 16, 17. I was like, this is like, like, please quit doing devotions on John three sixteen. Like, quit doing devotions on mm-hmm. Romans three twenty three. I get it. They're mm-hmm. amazing verses. But if you can get the context around those verses, you're really diving into some, some rich and beautiful theology. Right. right. All of a sudden, you know, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God makes sense. Yeah. When it's capped. When it's capped. When, when, you, when, when you, yeah, when you, when you see on either end of that, all of a sudden God's grace in saving the world through his one and only son is, it makes sense when you see it in the context of because we are judged, you know, yeah. because um, he sent his world, son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Yeah. And there's no judgment. Wait, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe him has it's already judged. been judged for not believing in God's one yeah. and only Son. Like you said, I had a had a pastor who who once said, um, "Yeah, I was using the word condemned. I guess that's probably New King James, but well, yeah, judged is probably yeah, a better yeah, right it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. they both." Yeah, condemned already. Condemned already. That I had a a former pastor of mine who uh, explained that whole section of uh, in terms of um, if you've ever been asked to fill out an online survey um, or something like that. There's there's the there's the option of um, you'll go through and it'll say you know or maybe you're doing a uh, taking advantage of a discount and it'll say there. you know, I, I do not, I, I don't, or I don't want uh, emails sent to me from this company, right? Or I want emails sent from this company. Right. And one is already clicked for you, mm-hmm. and you have to physically click the other. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, by default, this is going to happen to you. <laughs> and so he said, in the the default has already been clicked for you. You are condemned already. That's and good. It's, That's it, a good it, illustration. And it's yeah. only when you... Click. You know, I don't want. You know, yeah. I, I don't want condemnation that that happens. It's not as though the, the, the both slots are open and 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 Jesus says you're condemned now. No, you're condemned already. The default yeah. is you're you're you come to the world default condemned. Um, and so and bringing I bringing this back full circle. Yeah, I remember going out and witnessing, and walking away like someone maybe the leader would say something like, all right, we did our job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on them now. Mm-hmm. Like, we just condemned them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You know you get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, like, I, I do. Like, hey, I did my job. Like, check, check it off. Mm-hmm. Like, now they're accountable for what I just said. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, nah, dude. Like they were already accountable, right. and we just yes. probably made it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I'm when I'm talking about going out and visiting. Like we would just yes. like show up at someone's door, right. unannounced, go through our little program, and then walk away, think, like patting ourselves on the back, like we did our job. Now they're accountable for that information, and it's like, no, they were already accountable for that information. We go, and, and our job is to like make sure 
they know, hey, you can be rescued from your sin in Jesus. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. And I, I just experienced this just uh, uh, just last week, uh, right before we left um, uh, for vacation. But the the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on my door, mm-hmm. and um, did their little spill. There was two of them there, and uh, of course they don't know who they're talking to. Right? <laughs> so, um, but. I was curious as to what they would say to somebody. You it's know. like Bob Stark off warning, apologetic yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. But I was I was curious as to what they would you know what they would say, um, what their presentation is, and what they lead with is right now is do you believe that there will be an end to suffering? Um, and wow. they're they're leading with comfort and peace being offered in 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 salvation, right? In Jesus or whatever. Obviously they have a slightly different take on it, but, um, but I found it interesting that they're not leading with, you're going to go to hell or whatever. They're leading with, there's going to be an end to suffering and they're tying it together with, we just went through three years of suffering through COVID. We saw people die. Um, We believe that there is a day of hope coming. And I, I thought, wow, what a lesson we could take from that, <laughs> because that's a that while um, while you eventually do have to get to a, a point of conviction, we don't we don't need as Christians as as evangelical Christians to forget that we hold out a message of hope mm-hmm. to a world that has suffered much over the last three years, um, and so um, I, I thought I found it interesting that that's. That's what they're leading with right now. Their, their tracks and all that they're handing out are all about there's going to be an end to suffering. And I, I like what you say. It's a good lesson for us because if cultish religions mm-hmm. are leading with comfort, mm-hmm. I mean, really, how much more should we be leading with comfort and pointing towards the person of Jesus right. as God in the flesh, which the other cultish would not adhere to. Right, right, right. But that this God in flesh Jesus has come for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, uh, it kind of makes you reflect a little bit and kind of, yep. it, it kind of takes you back a little bit. And it must, makes us feel like we we we're, we don't trust the Holy Spirit to actually convict on sin yep. and condemnation yeah. and judgment and righteousness. So really, we've got to do it because he's not going to. Yeah. So I'm going to lead off with sin. I'm going to lead off with damnation or you're going to hell or yeah. whatever. And and really, in our culture, that's not what you can leave with right now. No, you need no, to leave. Uh, I know. I, I know. I did the whole thing about the three circles, and the way you lead the three circles to get into a gospel conversation is: um, Do you agree that we live in a broken world? Yeah. yeah. Well, nobody living in today, no right. matter where they're at, would say our world is not broken. It is. I mean, our political system, everything is broken. Right. And so, um, so that's a good way to. Um, to talk to people uh, and then rely on the Lord to do all this other convicting, mm-hmm. but just find out where they're at and, yeah. and start off with just getting to know the person and then, hey, you know, uh, can I talk to you about Christ or, you know, I've got this belief uh, and I'd like to share it with you. Yeah. Um, so there's ways that we can do it without coming heavy handed on, yeah. on, on the, the preaching against sin and stuff like that, which was which was the lead off in so many for so many years yeah. and probably still is in a lot of circles where that's what's preached every single week. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. And pe- I mean, let's just be honest. 
We could get up every week and preach on sin and hell. And we'd have people coming out the back door saying, boy, you stepped on our toes and that was a good message. And I wish so-and-so was here and you really preached to them and all that. Well, are you really just, are you accomplishing anything there? Right, are you, right. But if you lift up Christ and what he did for us, then that helps people say, hey, yeah, we do worship the Savior of the world. Yeah. And um, he's not up there condemning us and judging us and getting ready to zap us. Because really, as a little kid, I mean, that's what we, we, I was thinking that God was there to zap us. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. When hearing all that kind of preaching my whole life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so... You know, I think bottom line is we make much of Jesus, right? I mean, that's 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 the that's our role every day is make much of Jesus and um, know Him and make Him known. Hey, next week is going to be kind of tricky because um, we are going to have a missionary speaker here at Rosa Sharon. I'm really excited about the um, the, the our guest, um, but because of the nature of the work that um, he has done. We can't go live. We can't use his name. And, and so I don't know what we're going to do in terms of main point. We, uh, we may or may not have a main point next week. We might take next week off. Um, and, and Yeah, because, I mean, we can't really even discuss. Right. Because if, if we say something even in passing, yeah. there would be a hint if somebody heard it that they could track this person down. That's right. And I think, actually, it, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that you'll be back yet either. I think you're going to be well, gone. I won't be able to hear what he says. Right. You won't be able to hear what he says. And so probably next week we won't have a main point folks and i apologize just go back and listen to some of our archives and uh if you know go back and listen to, to some of those there's over 80 episodes of our podcast now wow. well, that's yeah. an even bigger encouragement to be here sunday yeah, it is a big encouragement here sunday you're right blake because it's going to be a special sunday absolutely um, it really is you don't want to miss it and we're going to actually for those of you who are in the area uh who listen not only are we going to have him as our guest speaker on sunday morning but um, I'm going to be conducting an interview, a more in-depth interview with him, uh, in which we're going to talk talk about some things that he brings up. And then also uh, we'll have a time of Q&A, and we're going to do that in the evening session uh, at 6 o'clock, on, uh, 6.30 uh, on Sunday night. So uh, be here for that. Well, what That's going to What's that? Uh, I would prefer six. Let's six o'clock. Uh, six o'clock. Okay. Yeah, and what we'll do is we'll wait to about six fifteen to actually get started. Okay. All right. But yeah, we're gonna have to promote six. Correction, o'clock. folks. Six o'clock. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So that that's it for this one, though. We've gone long enough here. So thanks for tuning in to Main Point. Um, if you have any questions or concerns or thoughts on anything we talked about today, we talked about a lot of things, and. Uh, if, if maybe maybe that's got your brain clicking too, and you've got some questions, uh, shoot them over to us at rosbcpastors at gmail.com. Um, uh, you know, hit us up. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you. All right. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and uh, go make much of Jesus. We'll see you on the next one. So long.